Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day that you have made every day for us to rejoice and be glad. We give you thanks that this is the day of the Lord, the day we come together to worship and to celebrate with your people, Lord. We love you with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, and we love our Christian brother, our neighbor as ourself, Lord, the greatest two of commandments, Lord. We pray that you would give us authenticity of our faith, that it would be genuine and real, Lord. Remove hypocrisy. Remove the appearance of godliness and make us authentic, genuine, real believers, Lord. And our sanctification and perfection is the work of your promise. You will finish the good work that you have begun before the day of your coming. And we believe that you keep your promises, Lord. And each day we're becoming more and more like Jesus. Father, ground our faith in serious worship and devotion to you, Lord. Allow us to be genuine in our love for God, our salvation experience in Jesus, our love for others, our prayer and thanksgiving. We pray that our worship might be authentic and real. We pray, Father, that we would be part of the answer and not part of the problem. We pray that we would be light and not darkness, that we would be certainty and not confusion. Allow us to move in that direction for your holy name, Lord. That we might be a reference in our generation, Lord. And when you come, you'll be able to distinguish us from the rest, O oh Lord. We will stand out because we're holding your banner high. We love you with all our hearts and appreciate this salvation you've given us. Father, remove double-mindedness. Remove sentiments that don't honor and encourage those that are around us. We pray that your love would be evident in our lives and selfishness would be diminished so we serve one another and live for your glory lord teach us how to honor teach us how to walk in the direction that pleases you all the days of our lives bless your word lord and return not void that which you send it out to do we ask that you bless it and that it would be a light unto our feet a lamp unto our uh, path lord that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts that bring forth good fruit that we would be transformed from foolish to wise. We pray, Father God, that you prosper and do exceedingly abundantly above all that we've prayed and asked this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Last Sunday, we talked about authenticity of the believer, uh, the personal aspects of being genuine. And then on Wednesday night, if you were not here, you missed a powerful time talking about authenticity of corporate life. Uh, when we're gathered together, how do we know we're at the right place with the real people of God? And we talked about the elements of authenticity last week of personal, Wednesday night of corporal. And I want to say that, that um, what clarifies this distinction what allows us to draw a line in the sand and put real from fake and genuine from uh, disgenuine um, is our ability to judge. And this is something that people cannot stand this word. Um, 
I'll tell you that what describes the last days is this. This is what the Bible says. Great deception will be the climate that will saturate the last days. Deception, false teachers, and false prophets. In our lifetime, I never thought, listen, I never thought there would be anyone like Jim Jones. That that was happening right when we got saved. 1983, a couple of months before our coming to Jesus Christ, Jim Jones had killed all those people in Guyana. He was a preacher who led thousands of families to die. And, and we were worried. And when they came to talk to us about Jesus, it's like, no, man, because you, how do we know you're not like Jim Jones? That's what we were saying. How are you? And so they started saying, be careful. They're going to make you drink Kool-Aid. Right? That was, we were scared. We're like, no, we got to stay and not, not do anything. That, so we were scared. But since Jim Jones, which I thought never would be repeated, David Koresh, uh, the guys that in San Diego or San Francisco that took off with the, they all committed suicide, saying the extra. So every day there's un loco, the 666 guy here in Miami, uh, the Antichrist. Uh, All these devils have risen up in our day more and more. So deception is the climate of the last days. El engaño, the deception. And it comes from false teachers. What's the problem with the false teacher? His false teaching. That's the problem with the false teacher. He teaches things that are not genuine. They're not real. So... False teachers will teach false things, and false prophets, what's their problem? They're false prophecy. They're they're speaking on behalf of God things that God would not speak. So in that climate of the last days, what is the gift of God's faithfulness, which we are contemplating this year, uh, 2017 for Spring of Life, is just to watch the faithfulness of God. And the faithfulness of God includes the capacity to rightly judge matters. That's God's faith. If, if God were not faithful, we would choose wrong. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a travesty. Those people that have not the capacity to judge what is a travesty in our day. Say with me is bad judgment. Bad judgment. Those people who cannot draw a line between right and wrong is a curse. It's actually been a curse in every generation. Um, When you choose things that are not wise choices, you have bad judgment. I don't want my life to reflect bad decisions all the time. In fact, as the church, our capacity to rightly choose is what makes us wise. And to wrongly choose makes you a fool. To make bad decisions, a bad judgment, is a fool's continual life. Oh, I was wrong. Oh, I was wrong. Oh, I was wrong. How many people would love to be married to this man? Nobody. Oh, I I messed up. How many would love to be married to a woman with bad judgment? Wrong. It would be a curse. Isaiah 5.20, one of the key verses um, that God calls upon his people to not have bad judgment. He says, woe to those who call evil things good. You're on the wrong side of that equation. 
and call good things evil. This is the climate that we're living today. The, the vast majority of the multitudes. Last night, there were 40,000 people in a concert in downtown Miami. And now, watch this. I'm sure that they were in front of a person teaching them wisdom. No. Really? You're going to jump in front of a stage that is, is promulgating foolishness on steroid and decibel levels that leave you deaf? That, that's your attraction? No, my friend, something is wrong. Woe to those who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Uh, we're going to see here when there's no judgment, that equates darkness. When you're not able to decide, it equates chaos and confusion. Your yes is no, your no is yes, your light is darkness, your darkness is light. You have the bitter things as sweet things and the sweet things as bitter. This is a chaotic existence. This is bad judgment. This is, in the worst case, poor judgment. So the gift of God is our ability to distinguish and decide those things that are competing elements. Judgment is the ability to consider and make decisions to come to sensible results and conclusion. Worse than not deciding is never deciding. Since I don't want to make a mistake, let me not draw a line. That, that's just as chaotic. Let me not speak. Let me just, you know, let, it think, let things go. Uh, we said here last year, this is something that just happened. We said that the worst declaration in the lips of a man is when he says, I don't know. A, a, a daughter goes up to her dad and says, Dad, you know something? I'm really contemplating this guy, and I need your help to give me some judgment to make a good decision. And he says, I don't know. That's a curse. And, and so number two, worst case scenario, the first bad decision, it says, I don't know. The second worst decision is go ask your mom. Why? Because a man wants to take his responsibility and put it on his wife so that when things go wrong, he has somebody to blame. All the women could say amen right there. Don't be ashamed. That's why it's a problem. Why? Because God wanted to give man the wisdom. He says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask me. God wants to give us the capacity to know what's right from wrong, to know what's correct from incorrect. Well, I would have to be a know-it-all. No, you don't have to be a know-it-all. You have to fellowship with the him that knows it all. You need to be next to God. And so it's phenomenal that we can have clear judgment. And so uh, to come to judgment, we need the precursor of judgment, which is called discernment. The discernment gives you the capacity to judge correctly. Does anybody know 
what is the most quoted scripture in the Bible? Some people say John 3.16. It's everywhere. But it's actually not the most quoted scripture in the Bible. The most quoted scripture in the Bible is Matthew 7 verse 1. What would people say that's in the Bible? It says like this. Judge not that you not be judged. Number one, scripture in the world that people know by heart. Don't judge because you, so you're not judged. Judge not that you be not judged. Who said that? Jesus said that. So people think, okay, Jesus says don't judge. And actually Jesus said this, but he clarified it saying, when you judge, make sure you judge rightly. Make sure that you don't exaggerate. Make sure that you don't fall short. Um, I was in Ecuador giving an example. They were saying, don't judge. I said, look, when you don't judge, you become part of a huge problem. So we'll take like this. We'll go one, two, three. Now, how many... Would tell me, Pastor, you could take three steps forward and you're fine, but don't take four steps. No, Pastor, you could take four. One, two, three, and I'm going off a cliff. Thank you. I just broke a leg. Thank you very much. To not judge a matter opens up to calamity, to be able to bring problems in your sphere of influence. So what God is actually saying there through Jesus in Matthew 7, 1 is judge not that you not be judged. If you read the rest of this chapter, he'll say that judgment is so precious, you don't want to waste it on fools. Why? Because fools don't have an appetite for wisdom. They don't want to know how many steps you can take or not take. They don't want to know what's right from wrong. Verse 6 of this chapter, he says, Do not throw your holy things to dogs. Do not give what is for holy people to people who care less. They're not looking for wisdom. They're not looking for right things from wrong things. They're not looking for what's correct. They want to live in an atmosphere of confusion so that they're not held responsible. So if you don't know, you can't judge because I didn't know, Pastor. Well, you're in a church that loves God. And the Bible says that God is not a God of confusion but of order. So don't cast to dogs what is holy, nor cast precious pearls to pigs. You you don't want to give that which is holy, sacred, and specially precious to those who don't need it in their lives. Who don't want it in their lives. They're not looking for somebody to draw the correct lines. So there, 1 Corinthians 14, says, God will not author confusion. God is not the creator of confusion, but of peace and prosperity. 
as he does in all the churches where the believers gather. There, where there is no confusion, there is powerful judgment. It's not bad judgment. It's supernatural judgment. So let's, let's talk about a verse that people don't quote, 1 Corinthians 2.15. This verse is what you should tell people when they tell you, don't judge lest you be judged. You tell them like this. 1 Corinthians 2.15 says, a spiritual man judges all things. A man who is, is, is with God, he's constantly trying to discern properly so that he comes to the right judgment because good judgment is the foundation for prosperity. Good decisions lead you to the right place. Yet he is rightly judged by no one means people can't figure him out. We're going to learn about this in a little while. We're going to, he says, a spiritual man judges all things, but he is not rightly judged by anyone. They can't understand where he's coming from. They don't understand that he's not judging to be critical because I really don't have, um, I don't have enough time to be meddling into the affairs of a fool. Why would I give precious insight to the person that's going to flush it down the toilet? Why would I want to come into somebody's life who hasn't asked me the direction he should go when he is not desiring the heart of God? That, that has to do with those that are part of the church because judgment is part of a governing institution. I, I want to say that the very essence of government, that means somebody who's ruling your life, is they're making decisions for you. This is government, if you're driving on the wrong side of the road, uh, the cops give you a ticket and they tell you, come before the judge, because if you continue to do that, we're taking your license from you. So the judgment of a government is to make decisions. And where there's no government, say with me, chaos. When there's no one making right decisions and good judgment, you got Venezuela. You got chaos. You got confusion. They've corrupted the system so much, nobody knows to come or to go, to stay or to leave. That perpetuates darkness, confusion, and chaos. It was great yesterday. George Carrigal, a neighbor of mine, comes over with his son. They stayed for a couple of hours. We enjoyed the evening. The sun went down, and it was time to go home. And his son which is small, he says, Dad, I don't want to go home yet. He goes, yes, son, we're going home. He goes, well, I'm going to go ask mom. So watch this. He tells his son, oh, you don't want to do that because that is going to make you schizophrenic, double-minded, schizo-divided mind. That is going to be double-minded. You don't want to create an atmosphere where you have yeses and no, and you're like stuck in the middle. You don't want to have that type of I started laughing. I, I enjoyed it. You know why I enjoyed it? Because several years ago, it would have been go and ask your mom. And then come back and ask me. And then mom and I are going to get in a fight. And then we're going to have, and we get divorced and we split up. And it, it creates chaos. But because the kingdom of God comes in, there is clarity. There is a decision. 
There, there is a, he goes, you got your answer already. You, you, you don't have confusion. You don't have darkness. You don't have chaos. There's been a decision. And it's a curse to have an ever wavering, I don't know, maybe, yes, who knows, and all that chaos. So judgment and discernment, um, say it to your neighbor, is a blessing. And God gives it to his people, Matthew 16, 18. I'm going to build a church. The church is going to be the establishment of my government upon the earth. And the gates of hell cannot prevail. In a place where there's discernment and judgment. You know why people don't want to come and ask when they're going to make a decision? Because they don't want accountability. If I make a decision without asking for permission, I won't know whether it's right or wrong. Guess when it becomes right or wrong? When they go off a cliff. Tell me that's not a curse. Somebody who doesn't want clarity... Doesn't ask for permission because a line is going to be drawn between wisdom and foolishness. So I've asked the church and I've asked the men for years. I said, if you're confused in an area, go ask five men of God. Go and ask five women of God. Why? Because you're going to have a consensus of the mind of Christ. You're going to be able to think like God thinks. And, and so you'll be out of confusion and chaos and darkness. Super important. That the house of God, 1 Peter 4.17, is the place where the judgment of God issues forth. For the time has come that judgment, that this blessing begins, and it begins at the house of God. And if it's there first... What will be the end of those who do not listen, obey the gospel of God? We, we cannot be confused about these matters. We cannot be going, I didn't understand. Should we judge lest we be judged? Or should we really know what the heart of God is that a spiritual man is able to judge all things? Hebrews 5.12. When you're young, you don't know what to choose. When you're young, you don't know where to slice. By though this time you ought to be teaching this stuff, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of God's words. You've come to need milk and not solid food. Verse 13. For solid food belongs to those, uh, it says milk to the unskilled, the word of righteousness because he's a babe. Verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are mature. That is, those who by reason, since they've used their judgment so well, so often, their senses are exercised to be able to tell between good and evil. If a person stands up before you and goes, I don't know. I don't know if it's right or wrong. Well, you know, you must be immature. You must not understand what is coming down the road with respect to God's order, with regards to God's wisdom, with regards to God's light, with his assurance, his confidence, his certainty. This contrast between that which is bad and good is the very reason the Holy Spirit was given to us. We're going to read this now in John. Uh, Super important. Let's read this very quickly. 
When the Holy Spirit was given to the church, it came to serve in three different aspects. John 16, verse 8. Let's go to verse 7 real quick, just so that you have it as a premise. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is the standard of God. It's your advantage that I go away, that Jesus goes away. For if I do not go away, the helper, everybody say helper. Helper will not come to you. But if I go away, if I depart, I will send him to you. The, the, the people that are like, they go to churches and says, the Holy Spirit doesn't move in that church. I didn't see anybody knock down chairs and fall on his back. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit can knock you on your back and turn over chairs if it wants. But its focal purpose is verse 8, which it says, When he comes, he will convince the world of what's wrong, sin. He will convince the world of what's right, righteousness. And he will tell the difference between right and wrong. When he comes, he's going to be able to draw the line of that which is not from the Lord, that which is from the Lord, and tell the difference. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And what does that equate? He's our helper. Because there's a lot of weirdos in our day. Oh, I speak in tongues, and I, I go, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. But you have no wisdom to be able to draw a line between that which is godly and wise and that which is foolish and disasterly. Disaster. So we, when we pray to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come and convince me of the sin in my life. Come and tell me those things that are not from God. Those things that are not from my Father in heaven. Come and teach me the things that are right and from God. Make them relevant. Make them evident. Make them manifest in my life. I want to have clarity. I don't want to be like, Ugh. I don't want to be lost in indecision. I want to know what's from God and wise, what's foolish and not from God, and the judgment, that third element, how to distinguish and draw the line and decide. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that a natural man, a common man, does not understand. He does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? His whole life is about deciding those things that are wrong. So when you tell him, listen, this is not from God. He's like, well, who are you to judge? And judge not lest you be judged. Oh, there you go. <laughs> he doesn't understand. He doesn't want clarity he wants confusion. He wants darkness to perpetuate. For they, these things are foolishness to him. And he cannot know them because they are for those that want to grow in spiritual discernment. I, I tell the natural man, 99% of the decisions and the feelings you have are not from God. That fix it. Because a natural man doesn't know God. He's at enmity with God. They don't make sense to him. The natural man does not receive the things that are of the spirit, of those things that are right, those things that are wrong. That's why the majority of the people were there last night. And they continue to perpetuate in the things that are not beneficial. 
They, they can't show these guys right things in life, wrong things in life. And the people that do not have an appetite for these things are fools. The Bible says in Proverbs, we'll look it up real quick. He says that this natural man, the man who doesn't understand how to judge and the things of God, um, Proverbs 28, 5, the wicked do not understand judgment. Because judgment leads to justice. But those who seek the Lord, they understand it all too well. They understand. They're able to see. God is drawing a line in my life. And I might not like it. It might not feel good. But this is coming from God. And I want the things of God that I don't understand. Because they lead me to the purpose of God that he created me for. I need to discern these things. And don't give these holy things to dogs. Don't cast these pearls before swine. They trample them underfoot and they turn and tear you to pieces. Why? 2 Peter 2.22. Because a dog is only concerned about eating his vomit. He's not looking for a great meal, people. And that's where you got confused. You thought if you went and talked to this person, that which would be to his benefit, he would appreciate it. No, he's looking for vomit. And so you're offering him puppy chow, he's upset. You're offering him nutritional food. And like a pig who after it's been washed, he wallows in mire. A pig wants to be in the mud and a dog wants to eat vomit. What are you doing there trying to give sound judgment to a fool. Don't waste your time. He has no appetite for wisdom. Spend your time instructing the wise, the Bible says, and he'll love you. One of the elements that we see judgment is for God's people is in 1 Corinthians 5.3 where something is taking place in the church of Corinthian. There's a guy who is a total misfit inside the church and Paul says, I'm not even there. And I've already judged this guy. If judgment wasn't belonging to God's people, Paul couldn't write the words, for indeed I'm absent in the body, but I'm there spiritually. And I've already judged this man as though I was present. Him who has done this deed. A guy who's acting like this needs to be kicked out of the church. Paul is telling the church in Corinthians. What are you guys doing that you don't want to call this man to accountability? Don't you know you're going to judge the angels? This is what Paul's saying. So how could it be consistent? Judge not. And the people run with it. And they have that banner. Yeah, we don't judge. You should judge. Ah. No. Judge precisely. And for this matter, Paul says there in, ver in chapter 4, verse 5, therefore, <coughs> excuse me, judge nothing before time. A lot of people are always making decisions and judging things before they have the facts. And every time you do that, you're going to lose. But when you have gathered the facts, and when you see the consistency of those things that are twisted, you could call them out. And, and that's our part of the church. We're the only people in the world that draw a line between that which pleases God and that that doesn't please God. So if you see a homosexual couple, you say, I'm, I'm judging that. That's not from God. 
And he says, well, why not? Who are you to judge? Well, God told me that in order to bless your life and bring clarity and bring certainty and wisdom, that is not going to lead to blessing in life. A gentleman came two years ago and he says, Pastor, why do you say that about homosexuals? I said, I'll tell you why. Because God loves you. And he doesn't want you to be in a sterile relationship, an unfruitful. He wants you to have kids. And for your kids to have a father and, 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 and a guy relationship, the same thing. But in a girl relationship, he wants you to be a mother and to have a husband and to show your child. And so he, he came out at me at the, at, after church and he says, I thought this was a gay-friendly church. I said, yeah, I'm friendly. Come and give me a hug. <laughs> Come and I'll give you a hug. And I'm friendly, but I'm, I'm also loving enough to tell you you're, what you're doing is not from the Lord. And it's not going to go well with you. And it's not going to be, the future is not going to be bright for you. It's going to be full of darkness and confusion and depression. And so God doesn't want that for you. And so six months later, find out that the man hung himself. He didn't even get around to, to coming to the Lord or to living the life in God's purpose. The devil took him. And so judge nothing before the time. Some of you quick to judge. You got to wait a little while. I've waited sometimes five years. I said, man, that guy looks, that doesn't look like it's from the Lord. But let's just wait. And one year goes after, another year. And five years later, I said, brother, you're a wicked man. I said, why do you say that? Because I've been waiting for five years. I didn't know if more or less. But I could see your acts, and your acts are full of wickedness. So now I could rightly judge. You're a wicked man. Another man came. He says, oh, pastor, I want to be part of your church. He started borrowing money all over this place. He owed over $30,000, asking people $5,000 at a time. I said, brother, you look to me like you're a wolf. You are taking advantage of the sheep. I'm the shepherd. If you ask one more person after $30,000 that he didn't pay back all these brethren, and they all lost for not coming to the pastor... They, they were making a bad judgment. So I said, if you ask one more person for another loan for $5,000, I'll know you're a wolf. I'll put you in quarantine here. You look like a sick sheep. Sure enough, the following week, he did it again. I said, brother, I'm, I'm called to defend the sheep. So he got removed from the church immediately. So in these matters... Proverbs 26, 11 says, a dog returns to the vomit. And this is the illustration where it says that a dog returns to his own vomit. This is the life of a fool that repeats his folly. Doesn't want wisdom. Is not seeking for proper judgment. He just wants to continue his bad judgment, his decision-making scenario. Um, uh, again, it's, it's horrible how in these days this will perpetuate more and more. Um, it's there in 2 Peter chapter 2 that, that it tells us that God's expertise is to judge those that are not walking right. Verse uh, 2 Peter 2, 9. Then the Lord knows his expertise is how to deliver the godly out of their trials, their temptations, and how to reserve the unjust for punishment on the day of judgment. So, so there's a whole 
God is an expert in this field of judging. He's going to judge the whole earth, the Bible says. And one day he'll sit on a throne. But he knows how to rescue the godly by giving them discernment and judgment, good decision, prudence. And he'll reserve the ungodly for a time of judgment down the road. Now, uh, in this chapter, Peter writes, he judged the angels in heaven. How many know that he did that, right? The devil and his angels were judged. We, we see this here in this chapter. Um, let's read that real quickly. Um, reserving the angels right there in verse 6. No, I'm sorry, verse 5. Not verse 5 either. Hang on. One before that, verse 4. For God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. They're up in heaven, when the angels rebelled, he cast them down to hell. And so a lot of people says, well, my God doesn't judge anybody. Look, look, he judged the angels, right? And then he says, in the days of Noah, verse 5, he judged the ancient world. He did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah. There was a judgment there. Eight people got saved. The preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood on the world of ungodliness, um, of the ungodly. Uh, two types of judgment, angels and the ancient world. And in that regard, since he already judged the angels, he judged the generation of Noah. How many believe that God is going to let us go without judgment? It's not going to happen. We need to move quickly on the side of God. We don't want to hear these words. Matthew 25, 41. He'll say to those on his left, depart from me. You are cursed into eternal fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. When God draws that line, you don't want to keep that uh, possibility in your life. You want to cross over to the right team at the right time. Um, Psalm 82 shows the heart of God in the Old Testament. It's not his heart today as a new thing, but it's been his heart all along. In verse 1, when God comes before his congregation, 82, verse 1, God stands in the congregation of his people to judge amongst his followers. Verse 2. How long will your judgment not be right? How long will you start, you keep making decisions that are not consistent with my heart? This is, this is God's concern. Um, in my life, raising four children, the biggest challenge is that I not raise a fool. And the way that you know that you raised wise Sons and daughters is their ability to judge their friends, judge the movies they go to, judge their devotion to God, to be able to decide and to pick. And, and so God, the same thing. How long will you judge incorrectly, always being part of the wicked? When you call and make decisions, you, you always do it the way the world does it. You do it like those people that don't love God. You do it like those people that aren't concerned with the priorities of God's kingdom. Verse 3, his concern is how long will we judge unrightly? 
not defending the poor, not taking care of the fatherless, doing justice to the afflicted and the needy. God wants us to move in the right direction. Verse 4. Verse 5. They do not know. He's talking about the wicked now. Nor do they understand. Because they have no judgment, they walk about in darkness. And they have no foundations. All their foundations are unstable. They can't build anything. As we were waiting for my daughter to come out of the movie theater uh, Friday night, and we started looking around Dolphin Mall, and I was telling my wife, we're living in, in real desperate times. Because women want to be with men that have the ability to judge right. The seasons, the times, the words. They want a leader. And the men are not walking with that wisdom. They're stripped of that spirit. They, they don't know how to make the right decisions at the right time. We're living perilous times because men are lovers of themselves. They're, they're perpetuating great darkness, great confusion. There's no standards now. So all their foundations are out of place. One, 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 um, one translation says, verse 6 says, But you are my children. You are God's. All of you are children of the Most High. Verse 7, but you shall die like men if you don't step up and fall like just an average person. So the call of God to fix this problem is verse 8. Arise God and judge the earth so that we might inherit all the nations, so that this, the nations might come to God. Proverbs 3.21 says, let not judgment, sound judgment, and discretion depart from your eyes. Let's stand this morning. This is just a step in the right direction. We can glorify the name of God this morning. He has brought clarity to our hearts. He has brought wisdom so that we not go astray. You know, to be able to live like God wants us to live, you got to be filled with the Spirit of God. You got to love truth. Two personality types that cannot stand a message like this are dogs and pigs. This is not for them. They don't have an appetite but for vomit and for mud. Let's ask the musicians to come forward here. And I really want you to bring clarity in your heart that there's a blessing in a place of contrast. There's a blessing in a place of government. You know what some people, there was one young man, he was sitting next to his dad. His dad had taken a red light. And his son turned to him. He must have been five at the time. And he says, hey, dad, thank God the pastor wasn't here. All that stuff that takes place, the pastor, and then other people, the pastor will come and speak into their life, and it becomes a curse. Well, how dare him come and say something? Listen to me. The appetite for wisdom is bringing clarity and removing, dispelling the darkness that comes into our lives many times as we're not 
seeking what's God's preference. Let's bow our heads this morning and say, God, we want your government to come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And give us clarity, Lord. In the day of deception, false teachers and false prophets will arise, deceiving many. Deceiving many. Making decisions. Rushing to judgment. Moving sensuality, the sentiments. I just finished hearing Derek Prince says, everything you want and everything you feel has to be crucified to the cross. Otherwise, you make a wrong judgment because life is not about what you feel and what you want. Father, bring clarity through your spirit in these days that are evil, Lord. In the days of great darkness where multitudes run after the lust of the flesh. And they discount that you've already judged the world in the days of Noah. And you're a God of righteous judgment. And you have the capacity to bring into our life to be able to distinguish between that which is wrong. Give us conviction of sin, that which is right, conviction of righteousness and of judgment, Lord, which is to be able to exercise discernment. That our words would be full of wisdom and full of truth, Lord. That this would be the dictate and priority of our lives. We glorify your name in the house of God and we thank you for the coming days. We declare blessing and prosperity over your people. Give us discernment in our conversations. Give us discernment in our fellowship and relationships. Give us discernment to know the time of your visitation, Lord. And your goodness over our lives. And you be glorified and be honored by the way we live. And Father, that you continue to make us more and more like Jesus. This we pray in Jesus' name. And the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.